Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, this is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special, special edition of Mets Musing. It is opening day. Is a mere, what, 24 hours away as we record this? So we have got together a panel of the usual suspects that we have here all the time for our roundtable discussion to discuss everything about the 2021 Mets. Yes, that's odd to say 2021, but here we are, and we are going to introduce our panel, starting with Jeff Cohen from Baseball and Barbecue. Jeff, welcome. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Great to be back. Also joining us is his partner from Baseball and Barbecue, Len Aberman. Len, welcome back. Gary Mack, it's good to be back. And uh, you, you know why it's the same panel? Because we work cheap. That's right. <laughs> hey. And finally, my former co-host and buddy, Barry Newman. Barry, welcome back to Mets Music. Thanks, Gary. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Len. Hi, Barry. Barry. Well, gentlemen, we're 24 hours away. We still have no... Uh, idea what's going to happen with the signing of uh mr lindor uh if he does not sign first off he turned down a 10-year what was it now uh 325 million dollar offer by the mets and counted with a 12-year 385 I think it was what $65 million offer. Uh, is he being greedy here? Gary, can you blame him? Come on. I mean, what? how could they insult him? 10 years at 325? I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. That's an insult. I mean, he's Francisco Lindor. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> this is insane. You know, but, you know, I'm at the point where, well, first of all, he he's a great player. We know that. Didn't have a great year last year, whatever. Uh, I, I would give him a little more per year than give him another two years. That's for one thing. And and second of all, at this point, you know, come to a come to a uh, come to a middle of the road. You, so is this the time to quote Jeff at one point to to, to draw the you know, the line in the sand, or is this the time to just get it done and get the guy in there? And at that point, it's almost like what's what's a few million among friends? Jeff? Well, he's taking an awful, awful big risk if he doesn't sign us. I mean, who turns down $325 million? Taking an awfully big risk. Not only because if he, if, you know, God forbid he gets hurt during the season, value goes down. There's the uh, CBA is expiring at the end of this year. You know there's going to be a protracted uh, work stoppage at the beginning of next year. Who knows what the finance will be like? You know, the owner will say, hey, we lost money in 2020. We lost money in 2021. No, no fans, whatever. But I put together a, a list of what teams might be interested in him if he does go free agent. It's, you know, it's a very short list. I mean, I come down with uh, really the Angels and the Mets are the only ones who definitely can use them. Uh, the other teams I have maybes would be the Yankees, but what are they going to do with with Gleyber Torres? And you know they got to pay a guy, a guy named uh, Aaron Judge, so they're they're probably going to be out. The White Sox they might be able to sign them. They they might need a shortstop. They're getting pretty good. The other team I have on the maybe list is the Cardinals, but whether they're going to have a half billion dollar left sided infield. The Giants 
they have money, but they're on their way down. They have a long rebuild process. I don't think going with him. The Phillies already have one three hundred million dollar player on there. Could, are they going to have another one? The Braves. The Braves really don't spend a lot of money, uh, and they're good. The Diamondbacks. Other than that, who who needs them? The Dodgers can spend money, but they, they'll sign Seager, be, uh, you know, for cheaper than, than Lindor. The Rockies. The Rockies have story. That, what they're going to pay pay uh, Lindor more? No. The Cubs. Baez is going to be a free agent. You know, why don't you just resign him? So they're not going to go. Uh, and Astros, uh, Correa. The Astros are on their way down. They're not going to pay Correa that much. And why pay Lindor more? So you have these you know, free agency. He's going to have competition for signing next year. So he's going to be crazy. Barry? Jeff, I agree with you as far as how many choices and the number of choices that Lindor will have are limited. Although... The thought did occur to me that the Yankees, who are always trying to outdo the Mets, and their shortstop is really a second baseman just playing shortstop, might make a bold move for Lindor if he does become a free agent. And like like uh, Len said, but Barry, they already have Gary. They have Cole. They have Cole as a three hundred three hundred million dollar player, and they have Stan as a three hundred million dollar player. You're going to have a third Jeff, one? he was saying, as Len said, he was going to oh. agree with me. You got to interrupt him. Well, I was going to thank was gonna, you. How can they insult the guy? And it's, it's so funny as I uh, read all these social network postings about negotiations. This is part of negotiations. All I, I can say about negotiations is if somebody offered me $325 million for 10 years, my negotiation would be, where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've gone back and forth with the Lindor thing several times, starting with when the rumors started, was starting to be floated that he was coming to the Mets, which really started in December of last year when Rosario posted on social, on social media that he was the new shortstop for the Indians. And who knew a month later that both he and Jimenez would get dealt to the Indians and the, and the Mets gave up another, I think, fairly highly regarded prospect. Can't think of the guy's name, but he was fairly high up. Jimenez. Well, Jimenez, Rosario, and a third guy. Oh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, Josh Allen. But just at first I thought, and we've talked about this before, after having given up so much young talent, especially in, in the high-level minor leagues, that maybe that's just too much. But then thinking about it more, I mean, who would be crazy enough not to want Lindor as your shortstop for a season over either Rosario or Jimenez? And then finally, as I got to warm up to the idea that he would be a Met this year and for many years after, because thinking of how... Uncle Stevie and his $14 billion would not let this guy walk. And then, then we get the events of last week. He offered $325 million for 10 years, and he turns it down, which makes him look terrible. He's off to a terrible start in the fans' court of public opinion, even if he agrees to the deal between now and, and the start of the season, which I'm assuming will be tomorrow. And what's to say that his agent can't negotiate with, with Sandy during the season? I think this deadline is, is BS. And also, what's the harm of seeing if Lindor, first to see if he likes playing in New York and seeing how he handles playing here? Because it, it is different. And for every Mike Piazza, there are two Jason Bays. So what's the harm in letting uh, the season start and seeing if the scenarios for Lindor work out for both sides. And what's to say if he has a great season at the end of it next year, they come back to him and they could offer him even more money than the 325 he turned down and the 385 for 12 years that he wants. I, I would just let it play out. Plus the fact, like Jeff said, there are a bunch of, High caliber shortstops. If they don't get Lindor signed, there's Story, there's Seager, although he'll probably stay with the Dodgers. There's Korea, there's Baez, 
And the absolute worst case scenario, they have Ronnie Mauricio in the farm system who they're, they're hoping will be in the major leagues in the next couple of years and all that money that they don't have to pay Lindor, they can just use for other players, one being Michael Conforto, who from what I understand, they are further apart with than they are with Lindor. Yeah, that's what they say, and, and I would be more concerned about getting him signed. To me, he's more valuable than Lindor is. As far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't offer him another penny. He can kiss my royal and blue ass goodbye <laughs> if he wants to. It's not going to bother me. Uh, and and I, I do blame the Mets, though. They should have had a better idea of what he was going to ask for whether it be 12 years or 10 years, and whether or not they were willing. If they knew or had an inkling he was going to ask for 12 and they wouldn't go there, then I would have never made the trade. But but that's neither here nor there. I would never make a trade either involving two top shortstops, whether uh, uh, one was your starting shortstop and one was a prospect who, who showed good play. Uh, either way, they still have Galorme. Everybody forgets about Galorme. He he came up as a shortstop, and much like Alfonso did years ago, moved to different positions because they wanted him to, and he learned to play them so he could make the team. He felt he, they felt he'd be more valuable as a utility guy, but he actually could play shortstop and was quite well, uh, 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 quite a good shortstop. Uh, so so he's available as well. But this this is ridiculous, and as you said, it's different playing in New York, and he's setting himself up to be the bad guy. He's going to be a villain, and my guess is if he doesn't sign, if they don't go up, and uh, he'll be gone by July. That would be, I would move him by the trade deadline. And and uh, and I would trade him to like you know the worst team possible at that that would be interested in them, like, you know, I don't know, Pittsburgh or something. Though I love Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they're not going anywhere. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just uh, I, I think the Mets look bad in that this is another deal, even though it's a different person making the deal. It, it It's, you know, you come by, we got stuck with Cano and his uh, big contract and Diaz, and we lost Kellenick and, and uh, the other young pitcher. Now, he has another young pitcher and two shortstops that we get rid of, and we're going to lose them, and we got <laughs> nothing out of those two deals. And I think that doesn't look good for the Mets at all, even though it's two different organizations coming in at different times. It just doesn't look good, and it's not going to look good for Lindor as well. Uh, you know, uh, people, maybe it's good. It's only going to be 8,000 people in the stands because uh, he's going to get a lot of raspberries, I think, uh, uh, and a lot of booing if he doesn't sign because people just don't like the greed that, that's coming into baseball now. It's too much. Well, I, I think that I got two quick points. I think he, he's trying to beat Mookie Betts' deal of 12 years, 365. But Mookie Betts' deal had a lot of deferrals. This one doesn't. So he's actually making more money, but be that as it may. And I just found out today that his agent is the same one who negotiated Ozzy Albee's terrible deal down in Atlanta. So maybe he's trying to make up some, uh, you know, some credibility. And, you know, if he doesn't get this, so maybe he loses clients and he's trying to make up some credibility. You know, maybe he's a sucky agent, you know? Maybe yeah. he's bad. But, uh, I, you know, take that money and go sign Conforto and Syndergaard. Give them extensions. I'd rather see those guys here. Uh, you know, Conforto's homegrown. Syndergaard, not so much, even though he came here really at the uh, young, so you yeah. couldn't really call him as a homegrown, I guess. Uh, but I'd rather see those guys sign. Any thoughts on that? What? Who else should they try to sign? And extend? Wait. Can we just can we just go back to Lindor for a second? Sure. Okay. I'm not a fan of these long term deals. Okay. Ten years. You know, we we've yet to see one of those contracts that actually ever, you know, played out and was was great. Okay. But I think that right now, you've got 
one of, if not the best shortstop in baseball. And you do need him. You need him a lot because you need him. He's, he's going he's gonna to anchor your infield, okay? The Mets defense has, always, has recently been porous, which it's interesting because porous and poor makes sense. So <laughs> they've had a porous, poor defense. And Lindor is important. You need to be strong up the middle. And Lindor is important right there. I understand he is ridiculous. He should take it. Okay. I know what Barry said. Barry, if somebody offered you that money, you would take it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> I, I know there's an offer in the mail coming for you. But in this case, new, new owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, this is the guy. He's got to get him. He's got to get it done. Sometimes the Mets have had to overpay. Sometimes they've overpaid for garbage. But in this case, I think you have to get the deal done. You have to, if you have to throw a little more money out, you know, I, I you're going to have to do it. Sign the guy. That's it. Sign the guy. Let's get on. Have our shortstop of the future. Okay. The other guys will get signed or they won't get signed. But you got Lindor. You can't trade him in July. You're going to be in a pennant race. Hopefully, and I'm sure we'll just talk about it, hopefully this is going to be the year that we somehow get in the postseason. And you can't trade your star shortstop in July because he hasn't signed yet. So sign the guy. That's it. Drop the mic. I'm done. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) To quote Jean-Luc Picard, The line must be drawn here. No further. Come on. No. Oh, yes. I got to pick up the mic again. No. Drop the mic. And Gary, I, I agree. I think Uncle Stevie should hold the line and say, this is the deal. Take, take it or leave it. And I might not feel that way if there weren't other quality shortstops coming up for free agency that, that were available. I mean, what is wrong with having Lindor for this season and then next year going out and signing a Baez or a Correa who are probably a step below Lindor but are excellent players, but you could probably get them for a good $100 million less total, and that gives you an extra $100 million, whether it's for Conforto or Syndergaard or, or whoever. I, I can't say I really look all that closely at next year's free free agent class, but it would be like trading Rosario and Jimenez and the pitcher for Lindor and then basically replacing Lindor with an almost equally qualified shortstop and then just going forward with the, te- with the team that way. So like I said before, I would just let it play out. I wouldn't give, like Gary said, I wouldn't give Lindor another dime and hope he has a great season for the Mets, and maybe he can turn this into an even better deal for himself, whether it's with the Mets or, or another team. And I agree with Jeff. He is taking a huge risk, huge risk, especially with the very real probability that there'll be a work stoppage next year. Well, that, that's another thing that, that, the uh, we can get into a little later if you want to, but uh, uh, the the unions have got to watch it now. I mean, they're going to ruin this game. I mean, Manfred's doing enough to ruin it. They're going to get together and both ruin it. They're going to they're both of them are going to kill the golden goose with with this nonsense uh, coming off a pandemic and uh, uh, you know a short season and then. Uh, going in, like Jeff said before, with with uh, less people in the st- stands and less revenue coming in, it, it they they can't be asking for the moon. Uh, they just can't. And if they be smart, there's so much money in the game today. So much money to be made that for them to to say, you know. Uh, uh, we don't want to feel oppressed or anything. Give me a break. It's hard to be oppressed when you're making $30 million a year. 
or even the 25th guy on a roster is getting what? What's the uh, minimum salary now? A million dollars? About 600,000? I, I mean, you know, give me that. Now, just to jump back to Lindor a second, uh, maybe what Uncle Stevie should do is pull a fast one on Lindor and say, you know what? I'll give you five years at. Two hundred million—that's forty million dollars a year. That's an annual rate higher for a lot sugar, shorter term, and see if he if he would uh, want to go for that. Five years, you're thirty-two. You can go for another contract then for another five years and, and get it. Um, it's an average higher. I don't think he want he would do it. Uh, and you know what? I mean, when they talk when. Uh, they turn around and say, well, it's job security or I want to take care of my family's future. You can't take care of your future <laughs> with one year at $30 million. It's Latrell Sprewell all or over again. 10 years, <laughs> that extra $60 million is going to secure your future. He has to feed his family. <laughs> Come on. You know, I heard an interesting stat today that – but all the free agents you know, between Lindor and, and Springer and Real Muto and Bauer, the Mets offered over $600 million and no one has taken it yet. Is that crazy? This is the, this is the Mets. And, and maybe that means they don't want to play in New York. Maybe. Or, or play, play for, for the, the Mets. Mets. I don't know. That That's nuts. Yeah. And uh, but we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, let's get back to uh, what do you, what do we think Conforto's looking for? There's not a rumor. I mean, it, it, looking for eight years or something like that. I, I I have no idea what he's looking for. I would think that would be in the range, but I I I've come to the uh, you know consensus that he's going to go free agent no matter what. I mean, it's, it's Forrest's agent. What's the, point? What's the point to even uh, speculate? Yeah. He's going free agent. And Syndergaard, what do you do with him? I mean, he's coming off with Tommy John surgery. He's, he's a tough guy year. to extend. And uh, here's, here's another one. What, what happens if Stroman has a good year? He's a free agent, too. I know he doesn't want to be here, but, you know, I'm sure he'll take the most money. I don't want You know what? I find it very difficult to root for Strowman. Uh, his mouth is bigger than his talent. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I would have never offered him $18 million. I, I don't think he's worth it. And I would not give him the extension. That, that's just my thought. I don't, I don't think he's that good. I don't think what he's he truly done in the game to warrant an $18 million salary. I mean, it's just, I, 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 and he wants more. And, you know, if they do sign Lindor, he's going to be looking for that kind of money in years too. And I don't know. I'm just not a Stroman fan. I, I didn't like the trade. I, uh, I, I don't know why they made it. Uh, and, um, I wouldn't even worry about extending them. Any other thoughts on that? Jump in. Nobody? (laughs) I don't know know who the free agent pitchers are next year. Uh, You know, obviously, I I want Syndergaard back. I mean, he mostly grew up with the Mets, but you never know how he's he's coming off Tommy John, so who knows how he's going to react. I mean, he's looking good now, but... I I get I really want to sign Syndergaard. You know, obviously pair him with with the Grom. Uh, I guess you have uh, uh, Carl uh, Cookie Correa. Uh, what's his name? Carlos Correa? Who? Carrasco. Carrasco. Carrasco right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's in another year. And Taiwan Walker. Let's see how he does this year. I mean, he had a pretty good pitching staff, and I really like David Peterson. So maybe you don't need a a, a Strowman. But if he comes off and then gives you a good year. You know they're gonna think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his postseason. He's one and one. He started five games. He's got an ERA of four point four zero. That's just in postseason pitching. Uh, his numbers are not that great. I don't think. He, he, to me, 
He's 51 and 47 lifetime. He's got a career ERA of 3.76. I guess that's okay nowadays. I think anything under five is considered good nowadays. Right. Uh, so, but I I don't know if that's an eighteen million dollar a year player. I no. just don't. And it pro- I, no, he's not. He's not. An I think he he talks. Is he? He's got a big mouth. I I, I maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety, but I'm so sick of guys. I'm sick of Peter Alonzo too. With his keep your mouth shut, go out and play the freaking game, please. <laughs> He's Lindor's agent. If people don't know, oh, he said, yeah, oh, he's telling, Lindor oh, should get $400 million. Yeah, be, because when he comes up, if he keeps hitting, he wants that money, too. Of course. He'll say, well, you gave it to Lindor. Yeah. yeah you told us now, to. because we gave it to him, you can't get it. <laughs> and I think we did a roundtable shortly around the time the Mets traded for Stroman. And I remember going on the record right then and saying that I was not thrilled with the acquisition because I never felt that Stroman was a good fit for this team. I think he's an okay maybe on a decent team. He's a number three or four starter, but, but that's it. And on the Mets and being a, a contact pitcher, he's just not a good, he's just not a good fit here. And Gary, I agree with you 100% that he, uh, to, he, he talks a big game. Mm-hmm. For that matter, so does Syndergaard, and mm. and uh, the results uh, just just don't me- me- measure up. And on a team where uh, the defense is suspect and outright awful at a couple of positions, I know that there was a, a lot of social media postings after that legend- legendary twenty-two pitch at bat by Giorgi to just. <laughs> Make him the everyday third baseman and just send J.D. Davis out to pasture, which I think is totally ridiculous. But maybe that's when you play Guillaume at third, when Stroman is pitching, because he is a contact pitcher. You're going to get playing time for Guillaume, you know, you add, along with um, all, all the bench plays, because you're going to need those players over 162 games. So that would be the, probably the best time. To, to, to play him because the Mets defense, even with Lindor, who is an A1 shortstop defensively, there's no question about that. It is still well above average at shortstop well, and well above average at catching and uh, everywhere else it's either adequate, below average, or well below average. Can I just say something about Syndergaard? No, Syndergaard. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Syndergaard has. Remember, he he bulked up that year. Thought he was actually really was Thor, and uh, hurt his lat. Right, had a lat tear. Basically, that went that season. The Tommy John, where you know you can't play. Every seems like every player, pitcher, even you know position players need Tommy John, but. Let's see Syndergaard actually do it for a while, you know, especially now coming off Tommy John. So the the the, the issue with Stroman is I think you've got to keep him around only because pitching is not as, you know, our staff is good right now, but we're one injury away from, uh, you know, having issues. Carrasco was supposed to be in the starting rotation. Now he's not yet. Syndergaard, we keep saying, well, he'll be up in, you know, like June or something. How do we know? We've seen pitchers that have had issues coming back from Tommy John surgery. So I, I, I just think now I'm not saying you give Stroman tons of money, but I think right now we need Stroman here just, just because the rotation is not as uh, overwhelming as we think it is. And that leads us into our next subject. The one thing I will say about the Syndergaard that Barry brought up the point that he's, he, got a big mouth as, as well and what has he done he has, it was at least part and of and played a major part leading him to the world series in 2015 so at least he has that on his resume he pitched True. a couple of beautiful yeah. games in the playoffs mm-hmm. that True. that we have not seen from stroman so uh you know he he's got at least that 
Mm-hmm. And and he's handled the pressure in New York in a World Series. So uh, he, he's got that in his uh, uh, resume where Strowman uh, doesn't. But uh, let's talk about the rotation. Len started us off since he doesn't think it's strong enough or uh, whether or not it can uh, withhold amount of injuries. They, they've had an injury. To it Carrasco. has question marks. It has question marks. That's what well, I'm and I think it's always a question mark in in anything. Uh, but what do we think of the rotation, uh, Jeff? Well, the rotation, I think every team has the same problem. You know, starting pitching is always question marked. Luckily for the Mets, we have the best pitcher in the world on our team, Jacob DeGrom, where I, I saw recently where all the prognosticators on SNY said that he's going to win the uh, Cy Young Award. And possibly he will. Uh, you know, him, and you have a healthy Syndergaard, which is, you know, when he comes back in, in June or July, that's pretty good. Uh, Carrasco, he, he's a very good pitcher, but again, he's out, out, out now, so you never know with injuries. I think our starting pitching is just as good as anybody else. You know, compare him to the Nationals, they have three guys, you know, Scherzer's is getting older. Strasburg's been hurt. Uh, their other guy, who's uh, the lefty, who's uh, not doing too well. So, you know, every team has question marks in, in pitching, and the pitching they only go five innings, so they should be healthy, but they never are. I mean, you know, these pitchers they only go 100, 100 pitchers nowadays. Yet there's more injuries. Go go figure. I, I can't figure that. But I think our, our rotation is just as good as anybody. I worry about the bullpen, but I'll get into that later when I have a debate with Len. <laughs> uh, Barry, rotation. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. The starting pitching is not as important as it used to be because, like he said, starting pitches only go five, maybe six innings if, if, if they're fortunate to be on the right team. And – I know we're going to get into this later, but I think the Mets is going to be better this year. In fact, I think it might be better than the starting pitching. And I know I kind of bash both Stroman and Syndergaard. When healthy, they're still both quality pitchers. And I think most any team would take them on their staff, even though they, they talk better than they pitch. They're still quality pitchers by all major league standards. I think Ty John Ty, however you pronounce his name, number ninety-nine Walker, the guy they got from Toronto. I think he's going to be a, a very nice acquisition, and and it may end up being the Mets' number two starter. And even though it's a short season, and like I said numerous times before, there's really not much you can take from last year because, as we all called it, an exhibition season, but. The little that we saw from David Peterson, I think we'd all agree we liked. So I, I think he'll be okay. So I think the Mets starting pitching is is comparable to anybody else's, but it's gonna it's gonna come down to health, depth, the bullpen. You know, the, the, the same the same old. And I I'm it, it's really that I think it's it's as, as simple as simple as that. The bullpen will really decide the fate of this team. I think and, it's going to be improved. And uh, keep in mind, with as far as Peterson's concerned, he, uh, I believe he made the jump from double A, didn't he? Uh, I looked at Jeff to see if he's shaking his head. I, th- I, th- I think so, but he was a college pitcher, show, so he, was, he had more experience. Right. But still, you know, it, it's still a big jump and uh, handled it well. And, and now he's got a year's experience under his belt. So, uh, you know, that that's going to help. And uh, I just think if they can weather the storm, if they can have a, a – uh, uh, and we have no love for Joey Lucchese. I mean, the guy pitched well in spring training, looked pretty good. So uh, if he can pitch decent – and hold up his end of it, and Tejon Walker, and uh, everybody else, and then in in hopefully May, June, July, even August, if it happens, you get a uh, a Syndergaard and a Carrasco back. That's like making a major trade to get uh, two frontline fresh starters 
into your uh, rotation and and hopefully you know uh, Syndergaard will be okay and we know Carrasco is a quality pitcher it's just that uh, he had this little uh, 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 what is what was it his name now what uh, or, uh, no uh, hamstring hamstring or, uh, yeah 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 um, so. You know, I think I think it looks promising that way. But we did mention, Len. Did you want to comment further on up the uh, rotation? Yeah, well, yeah. One, just one thing is uh, obviously the 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 biggest uh, issue that the Mets would face this season is an injury to Degrom. That is probably something they don't overcome. As far as Carrasco and Syndergaard, one of them must come back uh, strong during the season for them to have a chance. It would be great if they both came back, but I, I just don't know what Syndergaard is going to be, of course. Uh, Carrasco, I think it's a hamstring. I'm not sure that it's, you know, yeah, yeah. be right. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, got the, the, you got other teams, that, the Dodgers, uh, you know, world championship winners. I mean, uh, you, you, you know, you're, we don't want to be just as good as other staffs. We want to be better than other staffs. And I don't, I, we're not better, maybe as good as some, but not all. So let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, those guys come back. Well, the bullpen came up, so let's discuss the bullpen situation. Uh, How do you guys feel about the bullpen? Is it strong enough? And I'll start with you, Barry, because you you already said, uh, that you think it's going to be better this year. So uh, enlighten us why the bullpen's going to be okay. better. Well, I said it would be better, but that's, that's, that's from last year and the year before. The bar is set pretty low. <laughs> but, but you know, I, honestly, I, the, I think the back end of the bullpen, which would be Diaz as the closer, and then you have Lupus the lefty, and you have Trevor May, and uh, you have Castro. I think that matches up favorably with, with, with any team. And I'm not going to be silly and expect the Diaz that pitched for the Mariners in 2018. But somewhere, he was good last year. Diaz yeah, was actually very good last year. He was good last year. Let's say, let's say he was better. Oh, well, I'll take the was... Diaz from last year. He still, in spectacular fashion, blew a couple of saves. But by and large, he... Over the 60 games, he was better. And I, I would take that from Diaz again with the seventh and eighth inning guys that uh, will get get the game to Diaz. And it's been those seventh and eighth innings as much as Diaz that have killed the Mets these past couple of years. But I think between May, Castro, and Lou, they should be able to handle those innings well enough. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about the ball, but I think it's it's going to be okay. And you guys talked about Syndergaard and Carrasco and their health, but we also have to put in the health of Seth Lugo, who uh, oh, yeah. they're not even yeah. thinking it's a starting pitcher anymore. And I'm not sure I agree with that, but let's just uh, say he's going to be part of the bullpen mix. Well, hopefully – he comes back, and he adds another strong arm to that pen. And then I think the Mets pen should should measure measure up to just about anybody else's. Again, as long as Diaz is a quality closer, and the other guys pitch to their capabilities. Yeah, and don't forget too if uh, if Lucchese and Walker are doing a job, maybe when Carrasco comes back and Syndergaard comes back. They might work them in out of the bullpen as well, just to get their feet wet, uh, so to speak. Or they get a second lefty in the pen that way. Yeah. Well, was the case he could move to the pen. Uh, so a lot of options there. Uh, Len, your thoughts on the bullpen? Yeah, the bullpen is definitely better. You know, it's it it yeah. It's so hard to tell though with bullpens. You know, they're. They're so up and down year to year. I mean, that's why sometimes when they give big money to somebody in a bullpen, it's... But I do say Diaz was better last season. Yeah, he blew a couple of saves. uh, But, I mean, the the best do. 
I know it was a short season, but um, so hopefully he will still give us another good year. Uh, I wonder, you know, what Batansis is going to be. That's will he ever revert to form? We don't know. Um, so definitely, I agree. The bullpen is definitely going to be better. I think, though, if there is an Achilles heel to this team, it is the bullpen. So they might be better, but in my opinion, that's and my opinion. I've seen that. It's a lot of people's opinion. <laughs> it's my opinion, not yours. Um, but the bullpen is, is going to be an issue, though. Jeff? Well, I think there's only one way to improve the bullpen. And that is that starters go longer, because seven, eight innings. Because I, I don't trust this bullpen. Um, you know, it's first of all, with, when Familia ever comes in, just put the runner on first because it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> I have, like I said, uh. no, no confidence, and I'm, I'm of the belief that we don't need a ninth inning closer. I think they should go by matchups because if they're in the eighth inning, you have the opposing team has their three, four, and five guys up and they're prone to strikeouts. Why save Diaz for the last inning when you need him now? We need him to get those guys out. I'm, I prefer more of a matchup by, you know, by, by, by strategy, you know, depending on the matchups. I mean, I, I, I like Diaz uh, now. He stunk, obviously, when he got here. Uh, Lugo is very important. Trevor May is going to be very important, and Loop is going to be important. But I have no faith in the Tances, no faith in Familia. Uh, actually, Miguel Miguel Castro is is, is been pretty good in this spring, so hopefully he'll, he'll have a good year. But like I said, the best way to improve the bullpen is have stars go long, which which I know they won't. God forbid they won't. Let me just interject something here, guys, because. You guys mentioned a couple of names that I didn't, and I used to love the guy, and something happened to him either because of the injury or that homer he gave up in the wild card game. But when I mentioned the Mets bullpen, nowhere in there did I mention either Jerry Familia or Dylan Batances. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not even counting them right well, and it looks like they're both going to make the team, unlike Jerry Blevins, who's uh, uh, looking for a team. Uh, the other night, I was, I had the, uh, I flipped on MLB, and they had it on the uh, Seattle Mariners against, I don't know who it was, and, and I said, gee, that pitcher looks familiar, and it turned out to be Paul Seawalt, who was uh, pitching for the uh I believe it was the Mariners, so uh, it was fun to see him again. But um, speaking of pitchers, do you do you realize that I, I think Scott Casimir signed with the Giants? Now, did they keep him? Don't know. Don't know. And he's about forty, isn't he now? Well, I was just thinking that because I know there was an exhibition game between the Giants and the Mariners. Would you? And I wonder if the possible matchup happened between Casimir and Kellner. I mean, those were like the two of the worst trades in Mets history, and they <laughs> twenty years apart, and they can fight face each other. It was Casimir for Perez, right? Ali was it Ali? No, for- it was uh, Paul Zambrano. Oh, right, right, okay, yeah. Mr. Fifteen yeah. Minutes, Victor Zambrano. Right. Exactly. That's. <laughs> well, he's thirty-seven, Scott Casimir. He's zero and one, and with a. 9.35 ERA in spring training. So I doubt he made it. <laughs> I I don't I don't think he's been out of baseball to 2016. I don't know if he's been playing in the minors or independent ball, but uh I thought that was a kind of a full synergy there <laughs> if that ever happened. <laughs> And I'm going to New Jersey now. I didn't even remember this guy that had been picked up by the Mariners. So I can place a bet either with FanDuel or DraftKings that Seawall will lead the American League in saves this year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we covered the uh, off defense and the pitching. 
What about the offense? Is there enough offense? I know it's a tough question because we don't know if, if Smith is going to be out in left field and how much he'll be out there and whether he can repeat what he did. Can Alonzo repeat his rookie year? Uh, Conforto, I think, is pretty much just a hitting machine, we know. Um, what's McCann's offense? Is J.D. Davis going to repeat last year or, or what he's done? Uh, what's the thoughts on the offense? Is it enough? Is it enough to carry this team in case the pitching slips a little bit? Uh, we'll start with Len on this one. Uh, yes. We have enough offense. I feel I almost feel like I'm in school. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes, I. No, you may not go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> but teacher Barry, Gary, Mr. Mac, Mr. Mac, <laughs> Mr. Mac. Um, but yes, they have they have enough offense. I mean, obviously. Well, we don't need career years from everyone. Obviously, we need bounce back from Alonzo, who's been having a decent, good spring. Um, you know, as it stands right now, yes, they should definitely have enough offense. Barry? Yes and no. Yes, being that the names, you would look at the names and you would say, absolutely. And like Len said, a lot hinges on getting a bounce back year from Alonzo. But when you look at that lineup, you're going to have either McNeil or Dom Smith batting sixth. J.D. Davis is going to bat seventh. So that's a pretty formidable one through seven. The no part of it is as good as the names look and as productive as they've been, it comes down to like with the pitching, it comes down to the bullpen pretty much. It comes down to getting hits with runners in scoring position. Most of last year, the Mets either led the league or near the top of the league in batting average, but they were toward the bottom in runs scored. It all came down to they seemed like they could never get a run in from third base with less than two outs and drive that runner in from scoring position. So they can get all the hits they want, but if the hits don't translate to runs, what, what good is it? They need the big hit, the two-out hit, get the runner in from third with less than two out. And if they, they can do that, their offense is a, is as good as anybody's except, well, maybe not the Dodgers, but, you know, the Dodgers are better at everything than everybody. So I, I don't even, you know, even count them. But the, uh, the Mets offense does stack up to most any other team. Jeff? Barry makes an excellent point. They really have had trouble the last few years getting in, getting that big hit, getting that runner in from third base. You know, they, they can get runners on, but they just can't get them over, can't get them in because for some reason they always try to get the, the long ball. Which, by the way, I think Alonzo is going to be very, very good this year. I think they got a really good offense. I, mean, I know McNeil only batted like 109 in spring training, but he, he'll be fine. Um, you know, Alonzo, I think Drew Smith, uh, not Drew Smith, uh, Dom Smith is going to have a good year. Conforto, obviously. A.D. Davis, I think, will do pretty well. Uh, he will be spelled out, you know, during the uh, late innings for defense. But he's uh, he's pretty good offensively, too. And let's not forget Brandon Nimmo, who really is, you know, nobody thinks of this, but he really is one of the top run producers in, in baseball. He gets on base. He, he knows just how to get there. He's on base, you know, over 400 OPS. He's, he's, he's excellent getting on base. So he's him and uh, I guess Lindor is going to be the, the uh, table setters. And it's up to Alonzo and Smith and McNeil and, and Davis and Conforto to get him in. And you know what? Take advantage of the shift. Confo you know, Michael Conforto, they're shifting you. Go the other way. You know what? Even if you have to just push a bunt down there three or four times, they're going to adjust and then you have the, a, a bigger field. Take advantage. If, not, if, they give it, if they give it to you, give it, take it. Yeah, it still looks It looks like a line drive in the scorecard, as they say. Uh, nobody's going to know if you bumped it down third or if you hit a line drive. So, uh, yeah, I agree with all you guys. I, I think it's enough. Um, but we're all going to determine upon injuries and who stays healthy and, and who bounces back from last year and 
you know, uh, fatigue and all of that. Uh, now, over the winter, probably the hottest topic, topic other than the uh, Lindor trade, was the return of the black jerseys. <laughs> and now Steve Cohen says that the black jerseys are back. Uh, any thoughts on the return of the black 2000, early 2000 era, uh, I guess, or 1996 to uh, whatever they wore them to, uh, era jerseys. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Much to the chagrin of Harry Rose, let me say that. <laughs> this was a very important subject. You know, this is a, a, had old Mitchell going crazy. Listen, I don't care what uniform they 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 wear, wear just win. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I, I wasn't I wasn't really caught up in that whole black jersey thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good it's good fodder for for Twitter and Facebook, but really, just just win, baby. Who cares what? Does that, that mean the black hats are back too? Maybe. You know what? As long as they can sell it, make a buck, they'll do it. They'll they'll bring them back. Uh, I remember the black and the blue brim hats they had too, and then they kind of phased those out and went with the black. Len, so you know, I do this podcast called Baseball and Barbecue <laughs> with this wonderful co-host of mine, Jeff Cohen. <laughs> so we just have good-natured barbs. But I'm gonna I'm gonna quote my wonderful co-host Jeff Cohen. If they give it to you, take it. <laughs> Are you and sure that's gonna... a Jeff Cohen or is that not a Yoke <laughs> <Bear> quote? <laughs> well, Jeff did just say it, so. <laughs> Barry, are you ecstatic about the return I, of the I, black I, jersey? I, I always <laughs> like the black jerseys, but of course, like, you guys said it, it, it's just a uniform, you know. If, if uh, they win, I I don't care if they wear those uniforms that the sh- the shorts that the Chicago White Sox <laughs> wore in, in, in the seventies. As long as they're winning games, who cares? <laughs> By the way, I went to a a, a one of these the, the Mets uh, fan fest thing uh, years ago. Uh, you know the Queens baseball convention. Yeah, they had a panel. There was this panelist up there who actually kept statistics on the winning record, the win loss record, which uniforms they were wearing. Uh huh. Different combinations of, of the of the uh, jersey, the hat, the pants, and this guy was crazy. I mean, he has the, each day he had he had laid out and what uniform they won and, and the score, and he actually kept statistics. Well, I guess it's important to some people. And he has a podcast. Yeah. He might. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Mets Musings. Uh, <laughs> no, not, not those guys. Oh, maybe people not Mets Musings. Yes, but <laughs> doesn't everybody have a podcast now? Mm. <laughs> or had one? <laughs> you know, uh, one other thing about the offense. Don't forget, we have a much improved bench this year. Yes. You know, you know, with, with uh, yes. Kevin Pillar, Jonathan Villar. Uh, Viorme, like you mentioned a few times, Guillaume, he's really underrated. He's going to be a he's going to play a big part in, in twenty twenty one Mets. Always like Guillaume. Any other words on the bench? And the guy I wanted them to get, and they did. Almora as a maybe even a platoon center fielder with Brandon Nimmo, and certainly a capable late inning defensive replacement. The like Jeff said, the the bench is is much better this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bench is very good. Good bench. <laughs> the only thing with Galorme is I wish they'd change his number. I always think of as a, a, a Garo Alfonso as, as number 13. 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do we think of the year? Is this going to be the year? Are we going to the playoffs? Are we going to get the wild card division? Second wild card? How far are we going to go? How many wins are we gonna are you gonna take this year? And Barry, I'll start with you. Okay, answer I think all gonna, of those questions. Look okay, at the crystal think ball. It's about eighty-six wins. I still think the Braves are better. I still think the Nationals are better. And in the NL West, the Dodgers are clearly better. And I think it's really gonna come down to the Mets and the Padres for that final wild card stuff. The the Padres 
spent a fortune on free agency. And of course, they gave Fernando Tatis, which may have some influence on what Lindor is trying to do. That ridiculous contract off of what amounts to one full season in the, in the majors. But winning in the wintertime does not always translate to winning during the season. But the Padres, on paper, look like a hell of a team now, with especially picking up Darvish and uh, Blake, Mr. Four and Two Thirds Inning Snell. <laughs> so they, they put together an awfully good team. But again, they uh, still have to do it on the field. So having said that, I, I think the Mets are going to be right there, but they may fall ju- just short of the second walk, or even if they do get about 80 six wins because the the bottom of the national league is is very weak now 86 wins may just not be enough to get in i think the marlins were a fluke in the 60 game season i think had that season continued on the marlins would have found their level i don't think the phillies are going to be a very good team this year and i can forget the pirates and uh other than the dodgers and the padres the national league west is is very weak, so I, I just don't think eighty six wins is gonna quite get them there. But they'll they'll be right there at the end, and maybe they just squeak in. But I think at best they are the third best team in the National League East. Lem, I think that we could expect a wild card from the Mets this year. A wild card. I think the only issue is going to be in the National League East because they're going to beat each other up, um, and that's. It's going to be a slugfest there as far as when they play each other. Uh, but I say, oh, this is probably probably one game better than they will be. But I say 89 and 73, and they do get a wild card. Okay. Jeff? Well, I'm going to go against you guys, and I'm going to pick them for the, uh, the win in the National League. So I think they are better than the Nationals. I think the Braves are very good. I think Braves will get that uh, wild card spot. But I think the Mets are, are very good. I, I hope their pitching, you know, holds up. And I think that, that's going to take them, along with their improved offense, to win the, the East. And I think, like I said, the Braves are, are very good. They're going to give them a tough time. And, and they'll, they'll be a wild card. And just to round up the National League, I think St. Louis, Dodgers, and the Padres. Okay. I'm what about you? Uh... I'm going to say that uh, I don't think they make it. I think uh, this is an 85-win team. I don't think they'll qualify for either. I think the second wild card will probably take about 88, 89 wins, like Barry, uh, I think, mentioned. So I don't think – I think they'll be short of that, just short. And I I think the Braves are a a better team. I think the Braves' pitching staff is much underrated. and. Uh, could possibly be better than the Mets. And I'm not sure if they're the third best team in in the East. I would say maybe uh, the Nationals are starting to fade, and I think um, they could be on a par with the Nationals right now. So it it could be close there between the Nationals and the Mets for the second best team in the league. But I just – there's just something lacking still, I think – and I, I haven't been able to put my finger on it, but uh, uh, the consistency I'm still not seeing there. And, of course, we will have to see more when the season starts, but uh, I'm not sure Rojas yet, and uh, it's just a gut feeling, but I don't think they make it. I'm going to go with 85 wins. They'll be much improved, but uh, they'll be in it to the end, but I think they'll fall short. Can I make a, a bold prediction? One more, one more bold prediction. Mid-season trade, the Mets get uh, Chris Bryant from the Cubs. Oh, there you go. Wow. That's a good thing. What are they giving up? I don't know yet, but the Cubs are uh, you know, trying to cut payroll. They're going different direction. They're going to want to rebuild. So give them a couple of prospects. You know, Chris Bryant's going to be a free agent. It's not going to take much. Yeah. Well, and again, that that's the thing. Uh, the Cubs could be in the wild card hunt still. The Cardinals, and I think a team you got to look for out of the Central could be Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati could have a decent team uh, coming out of the Central, so they'll be in the wild card mix. And as we mentioned, uh, Los Angeles, and of course, they'll win the division, no problem. Uh, San Diego will be in the wild card mix and and uh, division hunt. Um, you never know with the Dodgers; there could be a, a letdown after winning last year, the old World Series hangover. So maybe that it would be uh, L- uh, San Diego's chance to sneak in. Uh, but uh, also, I think you have to look for uh, who was the surprise team out there last year? Was it Arizona that was challenging for the or was in the Giants. Card. The Giants were challenging. I'm, I don't know if they made it or not, but the Giants were challenging. But I th- did, and didn't Arizona have a decent year? No, it was, the, it was the Giants. They came up one game short, thanks to okay. their manager. That was an unforgettable Friday night game where they blew that lead in the, I guess it was the second game of a doubleheader after Wilma Flores had put them ahead in the top half of the inning with a home run. I think they would have clinched a playoff spot if they had, if they had held on and won that game. And guys, how did Gabe Kaplan get a second manager's job? Please, <laughs> please, please explain that to me. And also, I think you got to watch the Brewers. They're, they're always, uh, they're always there, so they could be in the mix of that second wild card as well. I agree with them. I think the Cardinals, now that they have those bookend infielders with Arenado joining Cole Goldsworth, I I think the Cardinals breeze to the Central Division title. I don't know. I'm not sold on their pitching yet, but you know, yeah, you know, we'll see. And uh, so. Well, this was an interesting get-together, and we covered a lot of ground, and I want to thank you all. Uh, uh, Jeff or Len or both, do you want to uh, uh, pitch your uh, that uh, little podcast that you two do that we never hear much about on Mets Music? <laughs> Len, Len's the pitch man. Go ahead, Len. Oh, jeez. Well, can I just say to Barry – we, we're not going to talk about your manager getting a second job until somebody could tell me why Willie Randolph never got a second job. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay, on our show, <laughs> Baseball and Barbecue, <laughs> uh, we actually have uh, upcoming, I think uh, we have Grubbs, who was on the, uh, uh, the Barbecue Showdown show on Netflix. And with, um, uh, Jeff, what is it, Gabe? Uh, Gabe Berger. Gabe Berger, right. Ballpark, no. Ball, uh, freakish injuries. Yeah, freakish injuries. injuries. Right. So we're going to have uh, Burger and Grubbs, one talking about injuries, one talking about smoking meat, and uh, Netflix. <laughs> that's on. That's going to be on our next one. But on the one we just released, we had Anthony Tacomo and, talking about his book on David Wright, the captain. We had him. Uh uh, Jeff, what what else? What what do we need more listeners for? <laughs> well, coming up, we have really some interesting baseball guests and and, and barbecue guests. But for, from the baseball side, we have an official scorer named Stu Thornley who does the official scoring for the uh, Minnesota Twins. We had and a great conversation with him. He will not take bribes. No, he will not. We have no. uh, an author, Lou Friedman, who wrote a book on on Cy Young. We have uh, yeah. Bill Nolan, who wrote a book on the life of the umpires. That's it. That's interesting. And we also have former major league player, Jerry Royce coming up. And he's going to be on a show with uh, former New York jet center, Nick Mangold, who has a barbecue sauce. So that's uh, we're <laughs> looking forward to, to releasing that one in a few weeks. Yeah. We have a lot of stuff. You know, I only just said to give a quick, uh, 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 plug here, not to give you a whole itinerary. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen, well, we uh, cheap, but we don't work for free. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> go and listen. I listen all the time. It's a great show. And uh, uh, I had Lou Friedman on. I spoke to him about the Warren Spawn book that he put out. Uh huh. On uh, the Baseball Talk radio show. That's my other show. I might as well get a plug in there. 
as you see below there, if you're watching the video, the baseball talk radio show, do that. My good friend, Rich Baxter, and uh, that's on anchor.fm slash baseball talk radio show. Go check it out. It's on YouTube as well. We do the same thing. We do a video like this so you can see our handsome faces, you know, our good looks and uh, enjoy uh, a little bit of a different thing, like something like this, maybe. <laughs> Look at that handsome oh, guy. Oh, oh, oh. Well, people have to watch this now. Now you have to. If you're listening to this, you need to go watch this. <laughs> well, I, I'm always looking forward to the Baseball Talk Radio Show when it when it's released every uh, usually on Sundays. Thank you, thank you. Yes, me too. I love that show. It was a wonderful podcast, and just for the record, salmon on the grill tastes tremendous. <laughs> yeah, these guys do a great job, and. Uh, uh we'll edit this all out of course uh but <laughs> <laughs> no we'll keep it when it's and, uh, less. <laughs> i want to thank you all for uh coming on the show tonight and i want to thank you at home for listening hope you enjoyed our little uh panel or get together or round table and discussion of the upcoming baseball season and i hope that you'll remember to subscribe to mets musings uh, by going to Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, wherever you listen to or watch the program, YouTube as well, hit that subscribe button. It helps us build our community and expand to new listeners. So until next time, hey, enjoy opening day. And remember to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go, Mets. And let's go, Mets. And I will see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.